This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Precision Garage Door. Garage doors done right. Whether you need your garage door repaired, want a custom door designed, or need a new door now, Precision Garage Door's highly trained technicians are standing by. We're open 24-7 for repairs. Call now and we'll fix today. We've been proudly serving all of Delaware and the Eastern Shore for 20 years. Call 800-DOOR-REPAIR or visit PrecisionDoorDelaware.com. Precision Garage Door. Garage doors done right. Welcome back to the channel. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. Welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast, where this week I'm joined by a very special guest, club legend Graham Roberts. Of course, Graham played for Tottenham between 1980 and 1986, 209 league appearances for the club, 23 goals, 27 appearances in the FA Cup, two goals, 25 appearances in the League Cup, five goals, 26 European appearances, five goals, a total of 200 and 87 appearances in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt, 35 goals, FA Cup winner with the club in 1981 and 1982, UEFA Cup winning captain in 1984, and of course, six England caps. Graham, welcome back to the channel. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Chris. I'm, re- I'm even happier now you read all that out. You, I think you're the only person that's ever got that right. <laughs> when, well, when I could I, see that that put a smile on your face. That's yeah, not a bad but, career, is it? No, but when I went... Um, on other channels, they go, oh, 209 appearances, 26 goals. And I say, no, it's 35 goals and uh, 280, 90 appearances. So, plus. Well, Graham, you're, you're, you're not a person that people uh, muck about with. And uh, you, you're, you're given this um, hard as nows image. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you make of that? I'm as soft as hell, me. I'm, uh, I, on the pitch, I was a winner. I didn't want to lose. And, uh, you know, myself and Paul Miller, we came up against some very tough centre forwards. And, you know, they wasn't going to walk all over us. And, uh, yeah. you know, we had that reputation where 
nobody really liked playing against us. And but you know, we have more to our game than just being hardens now. So, you know, we could play. We were both good players. Otherwise, you're not going to be in Tottenham's team, are you? So uh, no, it. I, I I wrote a book and I put it as hard as nails, so uh, yeah, yeah. I sold out, so it must be right. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, Graham, I'm going to take you back to your early days. Of course, you were born in Southampton in 1959, and then as a 14 year old boy, you joined Southampton as a schoolboy, um, and then you were released from them. Um, I think in October. Uh, no. You actually you, you actually signed in October 1973 and then you were released by Southampton and then you went to uh, Portsmouth and Bournemouth. And we were speaking off air because I wanted to double check this stat with you. Um, you actually started as a striker and once yeah. scored 49 goals in a season, which I thought I've got to double check that with you because I've never, ever had that conversation with you as a striker scoring so many goals. Tell us about that. Yeah. Is that does that make me as good as Clive Allen? Absolutely. I thought, I thought, are they, uh, you know, where I read this on, on uh, various websites, so I thought, have they got their information muddled up with Clive Allen? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> no, what happened was, um, I was at Southampton, um, Laurie McMenemy pulled us in at the end of the season. We was associated schoolboys. Um, I was in the um, Hampshire team. I was in the Southampton boys team. Had trials for England, um, and then Lyra McManamy pulled me to one side. It makes you laugh. He said, "I don't think you're going to be strong enough for professional football." So uh, he released me. So from there, um, Bournemouth got in touch and said, "Would I go there?" Harry Redknapp was a manager. Stuart Morgan, who's scout for Tottenham as well, he was assistant. And uh, yeah, I went down and. Played for them in in the South West Counties League. I scored forty nine goals from centre forward. Yeah, so uh, Clive Allen and me have got the same. You can't have it over me. Wow, I can't believe that stat. Um, and also, Graham, when you were um, you know during your youth career, um, I read that you helped your dad on a market stall yeah. getting up at three a.m. Imagine yeah. footballers doing that now. They wouldn't. <laughs> they don't need to. Um, no, my dad. My dad was a market storeholder, fruit and veg, and uh, yeah, I would be up on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, three o'clock, setting the stand up, and then from there at eight o'clock in the morning, I would go to Bournemouth. Or when I got when when we got released from Bournemouth, it was funny really because Harry was the manager. And Harry said, uh, the club had got no money now. We, you know, we have to release all of you. But he had a brown paper bag in his hand, so I don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> that was a joke. No, so, um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, I uh, went from there to Portsmouth. Um, Ian St. John was the manager, and... Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed my time at Portsmouth. I really, really did. I, and I was playing centre forward. We got to the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup, and we played Tottenham. And yeah. Paul Miller played, Mark Falco. Um, yeah, they all played. Chris Ewan. And uh, 
Mickey Hazard. Um, there was loads. Cut, you can't name them all. But um, we drew 2 2 at uh, White Hart Lane. Went back to Portsmouth. That was on a Tuesday night. And on the Saturday, we went back to Portsmouth. And uh, it was nil nil. And we, we would have gone through on the way goals. And we got a penalty last minute. Yeah. And we had a Scottish lad that played Paddy McParland. And he, he was a captain. And as he was putting the ball down, he turned around and Paul Miller was right behind him. And Paul Miller said, if you score this, I'm going to kill you. And <laughs> I looked at Paddy and I thought, don't listen to him. So I pulled him away and... I said, look, do you want me to take it? And he went, no, no, I'm fine. And he ran up and kicked the ground and it rolled into the goalie's hands. Wow. And they kicked it out and scored. And we went out 3-2. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like, but that's when I first met Maxi. And uh, yeah, we gutted. Um, so I was at Portsmouth, really enjoying the football. Got offered a contract. Um, we had a friendly against um, who we have a friendly against Aldershot pre-season, and I came on sub at half time. And the I think it was Joe Joplin. You ever heard of him? Used to play no. for Joe Joplin, centre half. I went up to the ball and he's he's clattered me, and I came down and broke my ankle. And after the game. I went to hospital. I went in the next day to see the physio. Broke my ankle. And I was in plaster. And at that time, Jimmy Dickinson, who was a superstar at top at uh, Portsmouth, he was the old, old brigade, but he took over as manager. And uh, he called me in and said, oh, because you broke your leg, we're not going to keep you. Well, it was my ankle. So he said, we're not yeah. going to keep you. So I had six weeks of in a plaster, and after the six weeks, I started sort of running and getting fit. And Dorchester, Dave, Dave Best, who used to play for Ipswich, goalkeeper, he rang me up and said, would you come to Dorchester? And I said, yeah. And I went there, and I scored loads of goals for them. And was there for 18 months. And I'll never forget it. Um, Stuart Morgan had taken over at Weymouth. And Stuart rang me, and because uh, I knew him from Bournemouth, and he said, Look, we want to sign you. You're on a free contract because it was a, like, I hadn't had a contract. It was just a gentleman's agreement. And um, I said, OK. He said, Come down on Saturday, speak to us, and then. You know, we're, we're put the seven days in. So they put the seven days in. I went down. And when I went into the boardroom, I had my wife with me. And we just we just got married, see. So uh, I went in and two of the directors went, we don't want you here. We don't take rejects from Dorchester. So I said, okay. So my wife said, what? I, you know, surprised. Anyway, Stuart came in, said, everything all right? I said, no, not really. I said, uh, 
you know, I've, I've agreed terms with you, but I just want to have a night to think about it. Well, what's gone wrong? I said, I'll tell you later. Anyway, I got home, thought about it, and I rang Dave Best and I said, if you match their offer, I'll stay with you at Dorchester. So Dorchester did that, but put me on a contract. And um, with that, I rang Stuart and said, look, I'm staying at Dorchester. They've offered me a contract. I said, the reason why, Stuart, is two of your directors didn't want me. I said they, you know, publicly made it clear they didn't want me at the football club. He yeah. went absolutely bonkers. They got kicked out, the two directors, and then six weeks later, they paid 6,000 quid and I went to Weymouth. So Dorchester got money for it. So, uh, yeah, I went to Weymouth and uh, started off my first game. I was I was working in a in an oil refinery at the time. And we used to get up at like six, go to the oil refinery. Like we would, like the big tankers, you put the steps in. And I was doing that. And then my first game was on the Saturday against Barrow away. Weymouth to Barrow is like the end of the year. And I went, oh, can I miss this game? They went, no. So anyway, I left work at 12, 11, well, 11, 11, 15. Got picked up at one o'clock. We got to Barrow. in Dor I got picked up in Dorchester on the way through. When we got to Barrow, it was quarter to 11 at night. So I'd been up since six o'clock. Yeah. Went to, bed, went to bed, got up the next day, had breakfast, went to the game. I scored the winner, 1-0. Got home five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I had to go to work. <laughs> I had to go to work at seven o'clock. So uh, I went straight to the oil farmer. So, yeah. That's a real footballer then, Graham. That's a real footballer, working and playing. Yeah, but Chris, it, it was hard. It was hard in them days, yeah. but I had good money. You know, I had a good job at the oil refinery, which was well paid. And I also had good wages at, at Weymouth. I was the highest paid player there. And, you know, and at the end of it, they got their just rewards out of it. They, they believed in me. The chairman was brilliant. He, he was absolutely brilliant. And uh, no, no, but if you put your hard work, I, I had so many knockbacks, but I wasn't going to give up. I was never, ever going to give up. And uh, because I knew inside me, I had something. And I think Stuart knew that as well. Anyway, we I played for Weymouth and uh, we got to the semi-final of the FA Trophy. And we lost in the last minute to the to Boston to go out two uh, three two. Um, but in the meantime, Ron Atkinson had been watching me, and Stuart came to me about it was about four games before the end of the season, five games, and he said, "Look, West Brom have put an offer in for you." And I said, "Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm happy." So is Oxford, and I said, "Right." So, anyway, they agreed a fee with West Brom, 35 grand. Um, but I didn't go up and talk to them. 
because I wanted to finish the season with Weymouth. Yeah. So we, we played the game and then uh, at the end of the season, Ron Epson, Stuart took me up with my wife and uh, we went up, we met Ron Epson. There was a testimonial, Ali Robertson's testimonial. He said, if you sign, you can play in the testimonial. And I said, well, I, I just need to calm down a bit. I need to take this all in. Anyway, I'm on 230 quid a week at Weymouth, 250, something like that. I'm getting 380 at the oil refinery. So they offer me 185 quid. So I have a big decision to make. Do I back myself and say, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Or do I just say, well, no, I'll just play out my non-league career and I'll make a good living and, and do it that way. So I spoke to the wife and she said, no, let's, you, you know, if you're that good, then you'll get in the team and you'll get more money. So I said, okay. So anyway, we, we had a chat and Ron Atkinson took my wife or people took my wife around the, the, um, houses and the districts and yeah, she loved it. She loved it there and, uh, came back and on the Thursday, Stuart come Ron, Ron Atkinson had the contract. I'd agreed the contract. Ron Atkinson agreed the contract. Because I was on 185 pounds plus, I would get 100 pounds appearance plus bonuses. So yeah, it would have, we'd have got there. So uh, I got the pen in my hand, and Stuart knocks on the door and comes in, and he says, uh, "Oh Graham," he said, uh, "Tottenham have just matched West Brom's offer." And I put the phone, I put the pen down, and Mike said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well." I'd like to go and talk to him, at least. I said, you know, you're a big club, you're a big club. No, 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 no. He locked the door. He wouldn't let me out. We had a discussion. And I said, look, wow. I, prom I promise you I won't sign for him until I speak to you. Which I did. Um, anyway, I went to Tottenham on the Friday, trained with them. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, Ozzy Ardiles, Glenn Oddle, Stevie Perriman, Ricky Velia, everybody, everybody you can think of. And uh, we trained in the gym and I never touched the ball for an hour and a half, just running around, closing people down. And Anyway, got back in and Peter Shreve said, oh, the gaffer wants you. So I went and saw Keith and Keith used to sit in a high chair and look down at you. So you're down there and he's looking down at you and he said, Oh, we'll give you £185 a week. I said, right. So he's obviously knows what they've offered. Yeah. £100 appearance. He said, but if you do, if you get in the team and you do well, we'll, we'll double, triple it. So don't worry. So I said, okay. All right. I said, uh, let me, uh, I need to talk to my wife who had been out looking at houses. And you're coming from Southampton to London. Prices have gone through the roof. So anyway, we get on the train after the, you know, on the, on the Friday night, we get on the train back to Southampton and I said to her, what do you reckon? She said, oh, I think we should go to West Brom. We'll have a better life there. And I said, really? 
She said, yeah, yeah, they were nice people in Bern. So I said, well, yeah, but I want to go to Tottenham. So she said, um, look, West Brom would be better. I said, no, Tottenham would be better. So we argued for an hour and a half on a train. Not arguing, but just discussing. So anyway, we got to the end of the line and uh, got to get off in Southampton. And I said, look, and I said, we've got to go to Tottenham. She said, no, West Brom. I said, no, we've got to go to Tottenham. I said, because I'm playing and you're not. And I want to play for Tottenham. Yeah. So that was it, really. I rang up. So I rang Keith and said, yes, you know, I want to sign for you. Blah, 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 blah. And he uh, he said to me, bring your passport tomorrow. On Sunday, we're going to Austria for pre-season. So I said, OK. So, uh, or is it the end of the season? It might have been the end of the season. And um, so I said, OK. I've got to ring Ron Atkinson now and tell him that I've signed for Tottenham. So I picked the phone up, ring up, and the secretary answers the phone. She says, uh, hello. I said, oh, is Ron there, please? It's Graham Roberts. Oh, hello, Graham. The chairman's coming back off holiday to meet you. The, everybody, the press are already lined up for tomorrow. Big press conference. I said, is Ron there, please? She said, oh, your lovely wife. She'll enjoy it up here. We'll look after her. I said, is, your, is Ron there? She said, yeah, I'll put you through. Ron Axon picked the phone up. And he went, hello. I said, it's Graham Roberts. I said, I'll sign for Tottenham. Bye. Oop, put the phone down. He, he's never spoke to me since. Oh, my God. That, that was it. That was it. And I signed for Tottenham and everything else is uh, history. And you've never, never spoke since? Never spoke to him since. No. Wow. Graham, is it true that um, Bill Nicholson scouted you um, literally by accident? He was on a yeah. train... And then he didn't go to the game that he was originally going to go to. And people said, no, you've got to go and watch Graham Roberts. Yeah, he went to Swindon. And the game was called off every rain. So he got back on the train. Well, train station. He was on the platform and uh, going back to London. And there was a, a lad. And this lad, by all means, I've never met him, um, said to Bill Nicholson, oh, you're the famous Bill Nicholson, aren't you? He said, yeah, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm looking for a player down here, midfield player. He said, but the game's off. And you know, so the lad said to him, get yourself to Weymouth today. They're playing Nuneaton at three o'clock. And it's now 1.30. Mm. So Bill got a trip. He said, OK. He said, well, I'll take your word on that. He said, well, he's going to West Brom on Monday. So Bill got on a train to Bristol and got a taxi to Bristol to... Weymouth got there just after we kicked off um, we beat Nunny in 6-0, I scored 2 uh, I scored 1 from 40 yards, 45 yards and uh, right in the bottom corner and um, yeah so that's how Bill, he went back and told Keith, Keith that Tottenham never made the bid until I went to West Brom so 2 weeks later, a week later or 2 weeks later Tottenham had made a bid. It was only West Brom that made the bid. And then I went yeah. to from Bill Nicholson said to Keith Burton, sure, go and buy him. And Keith put the bid in. And yeah, it was 35 grand. And if I played for England, Weymouth got another 100 grand. Wow. 
Yeah, well, we'll talk about your England career shortly. Um, what was it like signing for Spurs, walking into Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane for the very first time? Because, of course, you'd played non-league football. So walking into Spurs, that must have been some moment for you. Well, the, the ground was being knocked down, wasn't it, at that time, 1980. Um, the new stand was going up and uh, we were in porter cabins. So I thought, what have I come to? I thought I'd got muddled up. I thought I was going to West 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 Ham. So, uh, so they, um, yeah. So it was sort of, uh, it was it was strange. But we started pre season, and I worked all through the summer with Peter Shreves and and coaches to get my fitness level up to what you know the players were. Um, yeah. I, Train like three, four times a week in in the summer. Um, never went on holiday. Stayed and really worked hard. And then, uh, so you know, when you walk into a dressing room and they say, like you at that time, there was a reserve dressing room and a first team dressing room, like it is now. And they put me in the first team dressing room, and I'm sitting there. Absolutely, excuse my language, crapping myself. I'm sitting all these superstars and I'm thinking, anyway, I just used to work hard in training. And in one day, like, I, I was playing in the reserves at the time. We were winning all the games and we always used to win the uh, the, the league. And um, Peter Shreves came to me and said, oh, no, sorry, Keith came to me and said, oh, you're on the bench. I think it was Stoke away. And uh, I, I played against... No, my first game, sorry. It was Arsenal at home. League Cup. And I came on this right back. And I whacked Kenny Sampson. And he looked at me and thought, what the heck is that? And uh, that's how I got my my debut. And then my, de- my full debut was at Liverpool. We lost 2 0, 2 1, sorry. Um, Glenn scored a world beater in the top corner, and uh, I wasn't supposed to play. Um, Terry Yorick was there at the time. Terry was a lovely, lovely man. And Terry, uh, we were in the gym on the Friday. We traveled by one o'clock, we traveled to Liverpool, and uh, we were playing like this eight aside. And he went towards the wall when I pushed him into the wall to get the ball. And he stuck his fingers out and uh, broke three of his fingers. And But he didn't. He just carried on. And, like, I was his room partner. And, uh, anyway, we um, we went to Liverpool. They iced it, bandaged it up. Went to Liverpool. And we're in, like, we've had dinner. We've had, a, you know, everything. And we've gone to bed. And he's laying there and he's gone to sleep. And I thought, oh, I'll just turn everything off and turn the TV off. I used to make him cups of tea, everything. And uh, yeah, turned the lights off about one o'clock in the morning. He, he's laid up, like st- stood up, uh, screaming. I thought, what the? Go and get Mike Varney. So I went and got Mike Varney and his hand was four times the size. Wow. And uh, I said to Mike, you got to come, you got to come. So he came, the doc came. They rushed him to hospital anyway, broke four bones in his hand. 
And uh, anyway, 12 o'clock the next day, Keith Berkshire pulled me and said, uh, you're going to play right back today. <laughs> so I went and played right back. Stevie Perriman went in midfield. And I, I always, I have that game on, on video. And yeah, it was, I, I did okay. I did okay. And then from that day onwards, I stayed in the team. I played it right back for a while. And then Peter Streep said to me, I think John Lacey, once somebody got injured, Paul, Paul, um, uh, Paul Miller, he got injured, I think. One of them got injured. And we played Aston Villa at home. Aston Villa were league champions. And uh, he asked me if I'd play centre-half. And I said, yeah, I'll play anyway. And I went in centre-half. We drew 2-2. It was a brilliant game, and uh, I stayed there all the time. And then John Lacey got injured, um, and then Paul Miller came in, and me and Maxie just had a wonderful partnership together. Graham, who made you feel the most welcome when you joined Tottenham? I don't know, the boys were good. The boys were yeah. really, really good, yeah, really good. Um, Stevie, you know, he would make sure, he would keep your feet on the ground, Stevie Perriman. You couldn't get up there when, you know, you had to be. But I, I was like that anyway, because I was brought up the hard way. Um, Glenn was good. For everybody, you know, Chrissy Uton was, was lovely. Maxi, you know. Um, so, no, Stevie Archibald, I used to room with him. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was, they were all good. And we were, and that's why we're always together now, because we yeah. had that tight-knit family with us and uh yeah they were they were brilliant and you know i got into the team and keith called me in and he said look we want to double double your wages we're going to give you uh 400 pounds a week and i went right okay and he went oh that would do 500 pounds we'll do 500 pounds a week and then what happened was if you won a game you got another 500 pounds so it was worth winning the game you were thinking. No wonder why you were clattering, people. Yeah, right. but you know, you wanted to win. You wanted to win, and that they dangled that carrot, and you know, we won the game. We won the games, and yeah, I had a. But in them days, Chris, I think it was 75, 80 percent tax. Oh wow! Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I used to put. I used to put. Because I was so used to having not so much money, then I would put it all in my pension. And then when, yeah. when I was 35, all that money I'd put in, my bonuses, my signing-on fee, everything, well, I've got a pension now that I can live on for the rest of my life. So. Graham, talk to me about trophies because uh, yeah. trophies are way overdue at Spurs right now. Hopefully, they will be coming. And Antonio Conte. No, no, no. But... We won Saturday. We won Saturday. We're talking about that. We're talking about that. Um, now, FA Cup. You won the FA Cup in '81 and '82. Uh, they must have been very special moments for you. Yeah, they were because the, the, the realization was that <laughs> a few years before that, I was ball boy at Wembley. And uh, to go back there in your first season and play in an FA Cup final. I used to get up, FA Cup final days. I used to be up 8 o'clock in the morning, put the TV on, watch the, 
watch them, all the players giving interviews. Oh, it was that was the day, and it finished it. If it was extra time, it finished it up past six at night, you know. And and, and you ask oh, straight from there, you'd go out on the pitch outside the grass and you'd have a game. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it was a special. The first one was special. Um, I had my teeth knocked out by Chris Ewing. Um, three teeth I lost. Um, I did shout to him, it's my ball, and I think he must have been deaf because he just swung and kicked his boot right in my mouth. And I was gone. I was. Anyway, we got to half time and uh, we went to. Um, I went in because I had blood everywhere blood coming out of my mouth, blood in my head which I sort of clattered heads with uh, Kevin Reeves in the first 10 minutes. Anyway, so the, the doc's come in. He's, you're all right. I said, well, a bit dizzy, but okay. He went, um, let's have a look at you. Anyway, he'd done some tests and I was all over the place. I said, let me just put some water on my face. So he went, right, okay. He said, but Keith Berwick will come in. He said, how is he? And the doc went, he can't play. And I went, pee off. I said, this is an FA Cup fire. I might never get to another one. And you yeah. want to take me off? I said, not a chance. And I just ran back out and onto the pitch. And, uh, yeah, that was it. But I, when you, I was going to say, when you won the FA Cup in 82, you must have just thought this was fantastic. You just thought that the trophies just must be coming every year. Yeah, but we always thought we, we had chances. We had a brilliant, yeah. we had a brilliant squad. Yeah. You know, because we had youngsters coming through. Um, we had the first team squad. We we had um, Alan Brazil joined a little bit later. You know, and, and yet Paul Price joined in '82. You know, we had a brilliant squad, and everybody thought we were gonna we could win the league. The cup. We was in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup against Barcelona, who kicked us off the park. Um, yeah, so we knew we had a good squad. We knew we had a good team. Uh, Aussie, the the Falklands, didn't help. You know, we played the semi-final, and he had to. Uh, they don't. You know, they 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 sort of. He played in it, and then he shot off to. I think he shot off to the Argentine World Cup squad. And uh, Ricky stayed. And, but, you know, Ricky wanted to play in the cup final. But Keith, they came to an agreement that, no, he couldn't, he couldn't play. It was too, too too bad. At that time, you know, the Falklands War was really, really, um, really bad at that time. So, anyway, we, we played the game. Um, first game was probably... Not the best, but you know we got we went one nil up and then conceded a sloppy goal, um, long throw, and the lad headed it in. So we got to the Thursday night again, and uh, I'm in midfield with Mickey Hazard and Glenn, and um, I picked the ball up on the halfway line and just started running with it. And as I'm running, T Tony Curry's coming behind me. Bob Hazel's in front of me and I've knocked the ball through Bob Hazel and he's took a swipe at me. I've jumped over his leg, cut inside the penalty area and Tony Curry brought me down and uh, Glenn 
Glenn scored the the penalty, the winner. And yeah, so if I thought if I'd have kept my feet and kept going, it might have been as good as Ricky Villiers goal. But so <laughs> it was from the halfway line, mine, not just outside the area. So, Graham, what what was it like in the changing room at Spurs when uh, Ozzy and uh, Ricky Villiers signed at Tottenham? Well, I, I wasn't there then. I wasn't there. Um, I didn't. They joined in '78. I joined in 1980. Um, but they, you know, Ozzy tells a story. When he joined, he didn't know that Tottenham were in Division Two, and just got promoted. He didn't know that, nor Ricky. But that's what. It, but you know, listen. You play. You play with Ozzy. Ozzy's amazing. You know what a player Ricky was. Ricky was a different player. Ricky, Ricky was. Uh, you get one brilliant game, and then two average and a bad one. Where Aussie, you would get good, 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 good. You know, so yeah. Graham, so, talk to me. Talk to me about the UEFA Cup uh, final, nineteen eighty four. That must. It's probably the most proudest moment in your career, isn't it? Yeah, I've got to say, like, FA Cup was amazing, both of them. But to be captain, like, you know, in, in the first leg, Steve, they, they set Stevie Perriman up and got him booked. They knew he was on a booking. Yeah. Um, so they set him up, got him booked, so he misses the final. So Keith pulled me afterwards and said, look, you're going to be captain. So straight away... In my head was, we ain't gonna lose this. You know, we're not gonna lose this final. Um, it was it was tough um, for two weeks or ten days, two weeks. We were, you know, because I think Paul Miller had to play on the Monday. We played Southampton the last game of the season, Bank Holiday Monday, and he was the only one that played, and the club got fined. They got fined um, some money because Keith played all the youngsters. We got beat 5-0. But we were in a UEFA Cup final two nights two nights later. So what did they expect, you know? And uh, anyway, we got we, we got to the final and like the days were, were going by and we used to be training at Cheson. And Stevie pulled us and he went, ITV, a... Uh, showing the, 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 the game. So Stevie went to the chairman and said, we want 20% of the game, of the, the money for the players' pool. And Irving Scholar turned around to him and said, not a chance. Stevie said, well, you're going to not have a team playing then. Because we'd all agree we wouldn't play. So uh, Irving Scholar said, well, if you don't want to play, don't play. I'll play the youth team. So uh, we, we were supposed to go to the Pondsbourne Hotel on the Monday night. Anyway, we turned up for training on the Tuesday. We didn't do nothing wrong. We turned up, trained, everything. Stevie went to Irving Scholar again and said, look, don't ruin what's going to be an amazing night. No, you're not getting anything. You've got your bonuses. You're not getting any TV money. So uh, with that, um, we went home after training and then at six o'clock at night we all got a phone call Irving Scholar had changed his mind we went to the Pondsboard Hotel stayed there and then on the Wednesday we 
went training in the morning. We had a practice match in the morning. Went back, had lunch, had a little sleep. I went to the ground. I left about 3.30, 4 o'clock. I got to, yeah, no, 3, 3.30. I got to Tottenham High Road. I sat there for an hour. I couldn't move. The, the, there must have been 200,000 people. Honestly, you yeah. couldn't. So I jumped out of my car, told a policeman. He said, all right, we'll, we'll bring your car up to the, to the entrance. And I walked up into the stadium, into the main doors, and went to the thing. And all the players struggled to get there on that night. And uh, yeah. when you're captain, it's, it's special. You have to lead by example. I was different to Stevie Perriman. Stevie Perriman was very vocal, um, would, you know, get you right at it, where I led by example. And I wouldn't play less than what anybody in the team would play. I, I made sure that, you know, it was 100%. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we, the game was underway. Second half, we, I thought we played really well first half. Second half, we're still playing okay. Um, they break away and score. And I look around and all the boys were dejected. And, I, and, you know, I was, come on, we're still in this. There's 25 minutes to go. And when you're captain, you have to, you have to dig in. You really yeah. have to dig in. And I remember the ball coming. They played offside. Very, very good. So the ball came out and I chipped it over. Mickey didn't come back. And I ran through all of them and I was going through on goal and Mickey took the ball and they gave offside. I've never forgiven him for that. Never. Anyway, so he makes up for it because we get, Aussie comes on. Aussie had had like really bad groins, ankles. So he couldn't play no more than 20 minutes. And, uh, comes on in Aussie, the corner, bouncy, bouncy round, and Aussie left-footed, whacks it against the crossbar and goes back out. But I knew as soon as Mickey picked it up, he would whip it back in. And I happened to be in the right place. And I got myself free from two defenders trying to drag me back, just push them off, and then just side foot the volley into the bottom corner and, it was probably the greatest night of my life. Unbelievable. Can I ask, Graham, how many times you relived that moment? Uh, I, I still do now. You know, the thing about it is you're in front of your own crowd. Yeah. Got 50,000 people there. And you're making them happy. And that's what matters. And But it also made me happy. It made the team, the team bucked up a bit more then. Um but it was like I live I don't live on it but you know I go through it I sit here some nights and and you know when you're watching Tottenham you're thinking wow what a stadium and all that but I love White Hart Lane I loved it I love the yeah. shack I love the fans getting really close to you and yeah it was a special night for me really special night were the fans always uh, good for you yeah I just Chris, I scored two own goals in a quarterfinal of the League Cup. We're playing Burnley. I scored two own goals 
and they clapped me off the pitch. They get forgave me because it was it wasn't my fault. One slid off my head and went in, and the other one sliced off my foot. But I I had a great you know for me they're brilliant fans absolutely they're, they're amazing. I know I have a I have a bond with them, um, and I love them. I love every Tottenham fan, and uh, you know at the end of it. Um, we got what we wanted because it went yeah. to penalties. Um, and I said to Keith Burtonshaw in the morning, if it goes to penalties, then I'll take the first one. And he went, why? Why didn't you take the last one? I said, because I might not get to take one. So if I take the first one, I'll score. It'll put pressure on them. He went, okay. So I we won the toss. I took the first penalty and scored. Morton Olsen, who was a really good player, he went up and missed. So all of a sudden, the pressure's on them. And then when Danny missed the fifth one, the crowd actually won us the game because they sang his name. And yeah. you can see the lad De Johnson walking up to the penalty spot and he's looking around and everybody's just cheering one Danny Thomas. And he's thinking, he just missed a penalty. You could see it in his in his demeanour, and uh, Tony Parks had been diving to the left four times, and the fifth time he dived to the right and uh, saved it. Yeah, and it was just mayhem, absolutely mayhem. It's funny actually because all the ex Spurs players that I talk to, I always ask them what's their favourite memory at White Hart Lane, and they and you know most will give a goal. Steve Perriman recently, uh, he actually signed a seat from White Hart Lane for me and he put his favourite memory on the seat and it was actually that moment, the yeah. crowd singing, there's only one Danny Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, um, you see their player, was, he was looking around thinking, but he just missed the penalty. Yeah. And you knew he wasn't, wasn't ready. So, yeah, it went in our favour. And, yeah, for me, I always thank the fans for that because... They, they actually won us the UEFA Cup that night. How heavy was the trophy? Very. It was 11.15 at night. No energy, nothing left. And trying to lift it was really heavy. But nah, it was it was a brilliant night. Um, I had pictures galore of that night. Scoring, holding the UEFA Cup. You know, so, yeah. What did the team do after that night? We stayed in the um, club. I I was playing for England on the Saturday. Me, Danny, um, I think it was me, Danny, Gary Stevens, Gary Mabbott, and Mickey. Four of us. Four of us. So, yeah, I was upstairs with all my family and my mates and uh, looked at the clock. <laughs> it was our past four in the morning. <laughs> That's so, a good night. We better go home. So we went home. I had to be back at the ground at eight o'clock for to have photographs with Keith Burtonshaw. It was it was his last game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had photographs together for the press and all that. And then I got a taxi to or our car picked me up to take me to Heathrow. And I met all the lads and uh, the four of us went up to Scotland play for England against Scotland. 
Before we talk about your England career, um, what was it like working under Keith Birkinshaw? Did you two always get on? Not always. Um, yeah, I never had arguments with him, ever. The only argument I ever had, I've been playing midfield in 1982. Ricky got injured. I scored two goals at Brighton, I think I did. Um, I scored nearly, I think, nearly every other game from midfield and uh, Ricky got fit and Keith we went like we played Liverpool League Cup final went to the hotel and Keith called me to his room and he went I'm leaving you out of the squad tomorrow I'm playing Ricky it just I just I was gutted absolutely gutted and I always mention it to him now it's the only cup we ever lost cup final so, not a good <laughs> no, but, you know, I, 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 that was the only time I ever I just and he said look we got a cup final coming up in the FA Cup we get there you're playing that I said yeah but these some of these players and you know I'm better than them and I've, I've proved it and he just said well I've made my decision Stevie Perriman wasn't happy with it but it's great when you when you talk about all those players in that team at the time, you know, that, that is a whole dressing room full of leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which you don't see, which you don't see in a lot of teams now. Well, you don't see any of them, do you? You don't see anybody like Stevie Perriman would like shout at you and point and, and do this. And I was different. I would, you know, I still had a voice. Um, Glenn Otto was vocal. Maxie was vocal. Stevie Archibald was vocal. Yeah. Tony Galvin was probably the quietest. Chrissy, Chrissy and Tony Galvin, they were the quietest. But everybody else had a voice. And, you know, we had meetings and everybody, you know, spoke their, their, their bits. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a brilliant team to play. I would say 80, 81 to 84 was the best Tottenham team. Do you think we should have won more? Yeah, we should have won the league. Remember in 85, we, we lost it to Everton, didn't we? Um, I scored, we lost to Everton at home. I scored a 35-yarder, top corner. He's, Southall put, pushed Mark Falco's header over the bar. It was unbelievable. Um, we absolutely battered him on the night. Mark Bowen gave a ball back pass and it went to Trevor Stephen and he scored and uh, we lost 2-1. But, you know, we, we we played, I think that year or one year, we played 11, uh, 11 games in 19 days, 18 or 19 days. At the end of the season, I was shattered. I played, me, myself, Stevie, we played in every, get all those 18, like 11 games. It was tiring. Really, really tiring, and uh, the pitches weren't the best. You know, muddy and bouncy, some of them. But it it was what it was, and we got on with it. We didn't moan. We got on with it, and we ended up finishing third. I think Everton won it, Liverpool second, and we finished third. Yeah, we should have won the league. We should have won the league that year. Graham, you made your England debut in 1983. Uh, you won six caps for the country. Um, how was that playing for England? That must have been another very proud moment in your career. Oh, I think I think Weymouth loved it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, no, you, you know, the, 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 how I found out, we were on, on tour in Trinidad. And Peter Shreves pulled me to the side and he said, oh, you've been picked for England. I went, what? He said, you've been picked for England. He said, uh, you and Glenn. Did you not see it coming then? No, I wasn't. I didn't ever think I would get in England. No. I was playing well at the time. I was playing really, really well, centre half. Um, but you don't think, you, you know, there's people like Terry Butcher, um, Russell Osman, who played for Bobby Robson at Ipswich, you know. So, you know, Alvin Martin was there. But no, I got put in, and uh, Bobby Robson watched the training and he said, Oh, I'm going to play, we're playing Northern Ireland away. He said, I'm going to play you and Terry. So it was a, it was an amazing night. Um, I nearly scored an own goal. It was pouring with rain and the ball dipped and it, I tried to edit away and it's Peter Shilton pulled off a wonder save. So when you go back on a Saturday night and you're in the hotel, because we played Scotland on the Wednesday and uh, I said, you know, I thought to myself, I, I was speaking to my wife and on the telephone and not the mobile phones then, it was a telephone. And uh, I said to her, look, I didn't play very well. I was a bit nervous. She said, well, don't worry, you know, you did all right. It's nil-nil. I said, yeah, but I'm not going to play again, I don't think. Anyway, so anyway, Bobby Robson pulled me on the Sunday and said, you're playing against Scotland. So it gave me a lift and we beat Scotland 2-0. And uh, Charlie Nicholas made his debut for Scotland and uh, he got a few whacks. He was playing for Celtic at the time. And uh, yeah, so we won that. Um, we then went to... Uh, trying to think who we played. Uh, oh, after that, we played um, Russia and we were going on tour. We played Russia on Saturday, I think it was, and then we were going on tour. And uh, I had a slight groin strain. It was nothing much, but I didn't think it was much anyway. And uh, we were going to Brazil. Brazil, Uruguay, um Argentina, I think, or Peru, something like that. So, uh, went on the aeroplane, got to the Brazil, lovely hotel. The gaffer said, Bobby also said, we're trading at six. Went down, he said, see how you feel. I said, yeah, I'll do some running with, with uh, Fred Street, the physio. So, Fred had me doing 200 metres. <laughs> I did like 10 of them. And all of a sudden, I said, Fred, I need to go to the toilet. He went, yeah, yeah, go, go inside. He said, go to the toilet. Well, I went in and I never came out. And he came in, worried, about five, ten minutes later, I was laid on my back in the toilet and I was in that much agony. Mm. And they rushed me to hospital and I ruptured my appendix. Wow. Yeah, and I had... They said, we need to operate. He's got an hour to live, maximum. And they operated on me. I've got a scar. Well, you can't see it, but 
Let's go uh, that way. It was about probably about that long. That long. Yeah. They opened me up. Um, saved me, which I you know I thanked them. Um, England, Bobby Robson came the next day. They played Brazil that the next night when I was having my operation, and uh, I was in hospital bed. I was watching the boys. John Barnes, remember his wonder goal? Yeah. Drags it back and through. And uh, yeah, so he, um, the boys came, Brian Robson and Ray Wilkins, God bless him. Um, he was, they came and saw me. But when they came in, they went like, bloody hell, Robbo. I said, what? He said, you're still covered in blood. I'm still covered in the blood. They hadn't cleaned me up or anything. I was just, I was so weak. Honestly, I couldn't do a thing. So Bobby Robson came in. Anyway, the nurse came in to clean me up and Bobby Robson came in and he said, look, we're going to Uruguay. Um, we'll leave, I think it was Dick Rag. We're leaving Dick Rag with you. Um, you go back to the hotel when you get released. Have a few days there, then go back to England. So I rang. I thought, I've got to ring my wife here. So I rang my wife. I said, look, this has happened. She said, right, okay. I said, look, I don't feel good. I feel so weak. They're not giving me any food. All they're giving me is drinks of water. I said, I, I, I just, I've got nothing inside me. So she went, all right. So she rang Keith Burtonshaw. Keith Burtonshaw rang the chairman. And they got a nurse from uh, Harley Street to fly out, come into the hotel, <laughs> walked, no, sorry, came into the hospital, knocked everybody out of the way and said, I'm here to look after him. And they all went, no, 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 no. And he went, yes, yes, yes. So she said to me, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I'm so hungry. She went downstairs and bought all these biscuits and she kept feeding me biscuits to get me some energy. So she said, the next day, she said, look, stay here tonight. I'll stay with you. Stay here tonight. Tomorrow, we'll get you in a wheelchair. We'll take you to the hotel. And I went back to the hotel for 10 days. Used to go out by the pool, just sit there. And uh, she fed me and, yeah, we flew back first class <laughs> to England. And, uh, yeah, it was, and then after that, because I rang Keith, well, my wife rang Keith Burtonshaw, Bobby Robson never picked me again. Wow. Yeah, never picked me again. Well, Graham, talking of food, what was your diet like as a footballer? <laughs> it was, was it good? Yeah, it was all right. I thought it was all right. I got told, like, my we used to have, Steve Perrin would say, he used to have fillet steak, okay, before the game like three hours yeah. before the game. So you're going on 40, 30 years from then. It's 40 years now. But So I went, I spoke to a, a, a physio and a nutrition, and they said, you had what? I said, I had fillet steak. It doesn't digest. So no, it did, because I played. No, no, it sits in your stomach and it won't digest for like five or six hours. And I went, well, that's what I had. Can you imagine these players having fillet steak now? God. 
mad, isn't it? It's mad. I used to have rice pudding, used to have beans on toast. I'd have a change every so often, but fillet steak was the main one. How did you feel when you left Spurs in 1986 for Rangers? Absolutely gutted. I was... David Pleat took over, all right? And I know David Pleat's been on a on a, on a podcast, um, the Tottenham podcast thing, and they had him on and they asked him about me and he said, oh, no, no. He said, I, I remember in the garage and me and Graham shook hands. And I never shook his hand. I never will. Um, because he, the day he took over, he rang my house and my wife picked the phone up and he went, it's David Pleat. I want to talk to Graham Roberts. And she said, oh, I'll get him for you. And he went, quick. So anyway, I went there. I took the time, went there. And I went, hello? I said, uh, why are you calling me? I said, I don't want to join Luton. And he went, no, I'm new Tottenham manager. Just been given a new Tottenham manager's job. I'm ringing round and you're not in my plans. And I said, well, okay, that's fine. I didn't say that. I went, ball or you know you can understand what i said um <laughs> so uh yeah so we didn't have a very good understanding uh me and him but i thought well you're not getting rid of me so we cancelled the holiday that year we were going to go to america and i had a chat with my wife and she was brilliant she said yeah you know so i said that i need to get fit i need to get really 150 percent fit you can't do that, but that's what I wanted in my mind. So I trained the whole summer, went back to training. I was doing okay, doing really well. And he put me in, he bought Richard Goff and he moved Gary Mabbott to centre half. He sold Paul Miller, sold Mark Falco, and uh, he was looking to sell me straight away. And I said, Well, I'm not going. And. Uh, he put me into midfield and we started off the season flying. And um, he said, uh, you know, we were winning games. We went to Aston Villa. We were top of the league. We beat them 3-1. You know, and, and we were playing really well. And I always remember, um, I went and watched Rangers play Celtic in the cup final with Richard Goff and Chris Waddle. Coming back, I'm sitting in the, on the plane them two are sat together and I'm sitting next to a bloke and he said, uh, how are you, Graham? I said, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. I said, do I know you? He went, well, I'm Graham Sooners's brother-in-law. He said, uh, wouldn't you like to go to Rangers? I said, well, I'm happy where I am. I said, I love playing for Tottenham. I'm happy where I am. I said, but if it comes to it, it comes to it. You know, that's the way it is in football. So anyway, I got a phone call from Graham Souness saying that we want you and we want to make you make a bid. So uh, I went, okay. So I didn't say anything to anybody, just got on, kept playing, kept playing, kept playing. We went to Man United and it was a Sunday game, live on TV. And the first half we were 3-0 down. I, everybody had had a stinker. And Ray Clements pinned me against the wall and said, don't leave the club if you're going to leave on this. I said, no, you're right. 
And we went back out. I made two goals for Clive. We drew 3-3. Three, three. Um, then we sort of... That was it. Anyway, the following week, I think we played Watford. And then we had an away game at Chelsea, December the 22nd. No, sorry, De December the 16th. So uh, we're training all week, doing the set pieces. David Pleat picks the team. I'm in the team on the Friday. Go home. Five o'clock in the morning, the phone goes. Well, you think five o'clock in the morning, something wrong with your mum, dad, something's happened, you know, anything. And uh, yeah, it was David Pleat. He said, You've been sold. Don't We don't need you today. And then he put the phone down. I, I, I was waiting for you to say that you phoned David Pleat and said, I've signed for Rangers, then put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do that then. Um, no, but. Have you, have you two spoke since? No, I'm just waiting. Wow. I'll tell you a story. Um, <laughs> we were But but you're always at the you're always at the Tottenham Stadium and so is David Pleat. So I, I, you... I just ignore it. I just ignore it. Wow. Yeah. So I got I after my football career I became manager and I was at Bournemouth. Yeah. Bournemouth had a night game and I went to the ground and I needed some petrol to get home. So I pulled in, filling my petrol up. This Merc pulls by the side of me. Somebody jumped out and says, All right, Mr. Roberts, how are you? And it's David Pleat, isn't it? <laughs> and I shouldn't have done it. I said, Oh, David, don't park too near the curb. You never know what you pick up with these days, yeah. So that was it. <laughs> and <laughs> So, Graham, talk to me. Talk to me about your managerial career because uh, I can't. I can't believe actually. Today I was looking through, uh, obviously your career, and I can't believe how many teams you've actually managed. Talk to me about your managerial career and, and why don't you manage now? I don't want. I don't like it no more. I don't like working seven days a week for what they pay you, and I'm not a money man. Okay. Um, I loved it when I was manager. I loved being involved. I, most of the clubs I ever managed won the league or won a cup. Um, I think I was at Enfield. We won the cup. We missed out on the league championship. I got sacked from there. I went to Stevenage. They won the league. I played for them, not managed. I played for them. Um, Paul Fairclough was the manager and I had an agreement that he would let me go if a managerial job came. And when Yeovil came in for me, he backed, he wouldn't let me go. So I walked out and never played for Yeovil. Um, became their manager and they were trying to negotiate and Stevenage wanted £25,000 to let me play. And I said, no, don't, don't pay it. So I missed probably a season and a bit and uh, yeah but I was manager and Yeovil got relegated the first year in the Ryman League um, because they were down before I went there but I had to clear all the it was, it was such a messy messy situation where you had full time players training twice a week 
they yeah. were getting like 600 pounds a week at that time in 19 1992 something like that 93 they were getting like six hundred pounds a week and uh you know, and I said, well, if you're going to get that, then you need to come in training every day. I know we've got a job. So I had to get them out. So I've got them out, got my players in that I wanted. And then that first year, um, we played Enfield and stopped Enfield going up. Who had sacked me, which made my day. Um, I loved Enfield. I loved all the fans there. But there was a man called Tony Lazarou and, and George Bork who was my assistant, that backstabbed me. Um, but that was life. That's football. Um, so I made it sure that they wasn't going to get promoted. And uh, the following year, we went up and we played Yeovil. We played Enfield at a game. At, I think it was three games from the end of the season at home. And there was 9,000 people there. Wow. In a league game. And... Uh, we drew 2-2, two, two. so we were. We, I think we were three points clear of them. We went um, to Bromley on the Tuesday night and beat Bromley 4-1. And they lost, they lost something, I can't remember where they lost, at Harrogate or something, not Harrogate, um, Harrow, something like that. They lost and we went up as champions. And uh, yeah, I took the oval up and really enjoyed it, loved the club. Brilliant club. I think you know we we got to we played Cardiff in the cup in the cups and everything. So yeah, I enjoyed my time as manager. Um, I went to Slough, won a trophy there. Went to Chesham, won a trophy there. Went to Bournemouth, won a trophy. Like that's a funny one, Bournemouth. Um, I was at Carshalton. We won the league there, and I left. Um, because when you win the league, your money has to go up. Not mine, but the players. And they didn't want to yeah. invest any more money. So it's a waste of time. So anyway, I went to um, Bournemouth. I, I didn't want to go. He rang me, Danny. You know the chairman there, Danny. Anyway, um, he rang me and he said, look, we've got 22 games left. We want to get promoted. I said, well, where are you in the league? He said, uh, third from bottom I said oh you don't want much then so uh, anyway so he went do you think you could help us I said yeah sure so anyway I went I did a deal with him that he gave me I think it was three three hundred quid a week plus if we got him promoted he gave me five thousand quid bonus so <laughs> we got we, we played 22 games. How many do you think we won and lost? Well, if, if you're on a bonus of 5,000 quid, you've got the incentive there, haven't you? Yeah. But not me, but I had to get the players. So, yeah. How many do you think we won and lost? Out of how many? 22? Yeah. I reckon you won 18 and you lost four. We won 21. 21. We drew one. Wow. And we got promoted as champions. Wow. And uh, so I went to him, did I? Like at the end of the season, we had a do and he went, uh, yeah, brilliant. But uh, I said, oh, I need my bonus. Oh, I'll give you a car. I said, I don't want a car. 
So you said I can get five grand. He went, no, I'll give you a car. So anyway, took the car. I thought, oh, I'll sell it. <coughs> so anyway, didn't think anything about it. Anyway, I went back pre-season and I signed the goalie. He used to play for me at Yeovil. And uh, I said, oh, I've signed somebody today, a goalie. He went, no, no. He said, we've got a goalie. I said, no, he's, he's not what I want. He went, I've signed him today. I said, no, he's not what I want. He went, I've signed him and he's staying. I said, well, you pick the team. You, I'm off. So then I left. I just walked and that out. was that? I walked out. And three days later, he sent some heavy mob to pick the car up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Graham, what was, what was it like when you managed uh, Pakistan and Nepal? <laughs> There's some good stories there. Um, I I I'd given up really. Um, I'd had enough. I just because I think before that I'd managed Clyde, hadn't I? I've managed Clyde, yes. and I didn't uh, know whether to mention that or not. Yeah, yeah. We we and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there. We beat Celtic, which was we stopped them doing a the treble. Yeah, and that takes some feet. All right. Um, in that, in them days, it was unbelievable, and uh, yeah. So it was a feat to beat them, you know. So at the end of the season, we went on tour, and Joe Miller. We played these two games, and Joe Miller called me a racist, and and anyway, it went to court for another. They, the club suspended me. Uh, but they never suspended him. Anyway, it went to court, it went to tribunal, and um, the judge on the Friday, on the Thursday, sorry, they said we had proof that Graham was a what he was swearing and and being a racist to a person on the pitch. I said, well, you haven't. So they went, we got we got a video. So. My lawyer said, well, we'd like to see the video. And the judge said, yeah, we'd like to see the video. So they said, oh, we can't find it. So he said, well, you've got one hour to go home, go back to the club, find it, give it to the lawyers of Graham. He has a look at it, and then we'll bring it back here, and we'll all look at it. So he adjourned the, the, the court case for two hours, two, three hours. We came back on Friday. My lawyer rings me Thursday night. He says, uh, you need to come see this. I said, what? Just come and watch the video. I said, all right. So I drove into Glasgow, went up the stairs. He's got the video on. He says, I've just watched the, the whole game for an hour and a half. There was four people that had said I've been a racist. Okay. They said I was stood, they were stood. Behind the dugout, which you couldn't, but they were stood like five yards away from me, all four of them. Okay. So they got the video, and do you know where they were? They were the other side of the pitch, taking the money for the people coming through the gate. So we had them. We knew that it was everything was a lie. Yeah. So he said, Right, we go to court tomorrow. So the judge went to, Clyde, lawyers, right, 
where's the video? He said, oh, we don't want to use it. When you know, we, we don't want it no more. So my lawyer went, no, we do. So he put it on and the judge just couldn't believe what he was seeing. He said, I've, and anyway, he stopped it. He said, I've been here for four days now. This could have been sorted in one hour. Anyway, yeah. So he came up. He he made them guilty, not me. Um, I was, I got away with it, and he offered they like it cost me. I think it cost me twenty grand for my lawyers, and in a tribunal you don't get that back. But the club had to pay me thirty to thirty five grand for my wages, and uh, so twenty of it went to lawyers, which I had to have. And um, yeah, so they sacked Joe Miller that night for telling lies. Yeah, so uh, that was a bit sad because I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah. Um, but no, so I'd had enough then. I, uh, I just couldn't get it around. I couldn't get around it. And uh, I got a phone call from two agents. Oh, we got you a job. I said, I don't want a job. I don't want any more jobs. We got you a job. So I'm not interested. Look, it's a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars. I said, where? Come to Terminal 3 at Heathrow, and we'll meet you there. Just bring your passport and your bags and whatever. So I went. My missus went, go, go. I said, oh. So I went, and there's Sri Lanka, uh, Maldives, Mauritius, uh, Thailand, everywhere, right? Philippines. And then in the corner, it was India and Pakistan. So I said, where are we going? He went, Pakistan. I went, you're having a laugh, ain't you? I said, How many I, games did you manage them for? Uh, we had five games. But there was practice matches as well, practice games. But five games yeah. in the we played Brian Robson's team in the tournament. So anyway, my first day training there um, was mad. I went for a run six o'clock in the morning around the training pitch, and a geezer with a gun was following me. And I thought, what the? So anyway, I asked the president. I said, what's the geezer with the gun? He went, oh, he said, because you're English, you could be shot. So that ain't in the contract. So he went, no, no, no. So the next day, they had eight or nine all looking at the stadium for a sniper. So wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable, honestly. You couldn't make it up. So anyway, we I've been there two weeks and we went to a hotel. And the two agents took me there and they said, look, you can have a, a sauna, it was a seven-star hotel. So I said, all right. Because no hotels out there are seven-star. It's probably two-star, right? But it was a lovely hotel. Um, so we're in there. So we're sitting down, having a drink. But it was like tea or coffee or Coke. That was it. There's no booze. So we're talking. All of a sudden, all the windows shattered. We died on the floor. And glass in my head, in my shoulders. Oh, I'm like, what the... And the waiter came over, he said, would you like another drink? I went, what? <laughs> well, you could make it up, honestly. So with that, we, um, I said, what, what, what's happened? He went, 
Oh, they blew a bus up outside and it's just shattered all the windows. Happens every so often. Oh, like bloody hell. So we went from there to uh, Islamabad. That's where Bin Laden got blown up. Went there. Um, I went on a trip. They they called me one day. This is funny. I know we're getting the top, but this, this is funny. So uh, two fellas are coming to pick me up. I don't know who they are. Right? But they, I've got to go and meet these governors of these four towns. We're going to build AstroTurf pitches and I'll make a lot of money out of it. This is part of the the agent's deals. And I said, okay. So I did training in the morning, got in the car, started going an hour, two hours. I'm thinking, how far is this? Three hours. I'm thinking, I've been kidnapped. Four hours. I've been kidnapped. I've got to hold my hands. I've been kidnapped. <laughs> so I ring my my friend, my girlfriend, and uh, <laughs> I get through to her. So I've got my mobile. And she says, Bobo, I'm busy. I can't talk. And put the phone down. And I'm like, are you kidding me or what? So now she, I can't get hold of her. I'm going up through the mountains. And in the mountains, there's these big sort of, like, you go, you drive through the mountain, you know, road through the mountain. And I'm thinking, where, five hours, I'm thinking, oh, my God. So anyway, we get to the get to this place and we, it's like a shanty town so the two lads said to me they pull up there's nothing open bar one cafe one cafe out i said why out so he kicked he kicked me out <laughs> so now i'm stood in this shanty town five hours from where i should be the next minute by about 10 minutes later, the two agents turn up. I said, 35 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't know that. Anyway, we looked down and there's about eight Hummers coming up the road. Big limousines. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what's happening here? <laughs> they pull up. All the, all the bodyguards jump out with guns. <laughs> the, the governors get out of each car. Come, come, we have tea. Come. So we got upstairs. So they said, This is the project. My agent said, This is a project. 10 minutes it took. Okay. They agreed to it. And then they all went. And now I've got to drive, get in the car and go five hours back for 10 minutes. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I got back like 20 past one in the morning. It was mad. Honestly, it was absolutely mad. And, uh, but, Anyway, the, the, the last one was we had a tournament. So we went to Karachi to fly to China. And it's like um Asian tournament where all the countries in Asia it's like a it's like the World Cup, but yeah. it's not the biggest act, right? So our first game was against Thailand. And uh, so we the night before we stayed in the Sheraton Hotel in Karachi. Go to bed. Get up the next morning, five o'clock. We leave at seven thirty on the flight. We arrive at two o'clock in the afternoon. Go to the uh, the hotel. Well, it was sports complex. So I said to all the boys, "Go to bed. 
I said, we'll wake you at six, we'll train at seven, what time the game is. We'll get used to the, you know, the weather, the, uh, the climate. So uh, I put the TV on, didn't I? So BBC World News, I thought, oh, brilliant. I can, at least I can see something. Hotel Bomb Blast. I went, where's that? In Karachi. <laughs> they blew the Sheraton Hotel. When we left in the morning, at 10 o'clock that morning, they blew it to smithereens. You could make it. I was like, we were in there like seven hours ago. And it blew it. Wow. If you ever look at pictures and you'll see it, it's just derelict. Just gone. The whole lot. And I thought, oh, bloody hell. So anyway, we, I think we finished about third or fourth in the tournament overall. And uh, because they were only young kids and young lads learning. So I flew back. And uh, all I want to do is go home, pick my money up and go home. So well, I was going to say, what, what, why did you leave the job? <laughs> the president, actually, Chris, it was a lot of money. A lot. So anyway, I went and saw the president and uh, he went, Graham, he said, everybody in Pakistan love you. I said, oh, right. He said, we want to sign you for two more. I said, no chance. I said, get me on that flight. <laughs> morning, I'm flying back to England. It, they were, they were gutted. They wanted me to stay for two years. Anyway, I got home. I said, to my missus, never again. I said, I can't go through that. Two two weeks later, I'm on, I'm flying out to Nepal. <laughs> it was mad. It was just mad. They were good. Nepal was nice, but it's so run down. I got there, went into my dicks. I turned the light off. A minute later, the light went out. I went, oh, shit. What's happened there? So I went downstairs and said, uh, the light's just blown. No, 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 it's a power cut. I said, what do you mean it's a power cut? 23 hours a day, they have a power cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> every day. Every day. Wow. How I got through it, I'll never know. I'll never know. So... No more management for you? Unless it's it's a decent one, no. No. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed every minute I ever did. Won lots of trophies. Um, but unless you get, you know, a league club or a decent club, it's just too much hassle. It's just too much hassle. Yeah. So probably unless someone argued to meet, to meet them at... Well, unless you get the next call, meet meet me at Heathrow Airport, and uh, you know it'd be a surprise job again. Yeah, Graham, how much would you be worth in today's market? Oh, I, don't, um, I don't know. I suppose I thought I did okay as a centre half. Um, people say Romero, me. What did he cost? 40, 45? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, it's the way life's gone, isn't it? It's the way, you know, the money's gone. It's, you don't, you don't talk in 500 grand now. You're talking 50 million, 60 millions. And yeah, it's, you know, Chris, I had a brilliant, I had a brilliant time at Tottenham. Scored, I scored some 
you know, like you said, 35 goals. Um, I scored at Rangers. I scored at Chelsea. Um, I didn't like Chelsea. i got to say, I, 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 I love the fans there when I played. But as a football club, it wasn't good. Yeah, you'll, you'll notice I didn't even mention your career at Chelsea. No, no, I like, but, but you know, like I, I, I knew it was going to be tough the yeah. first, first day I arrived there. When I signed my contract, Ken Bates and Bobby Campbell went to register it, and the waitress came in, she threw the tea down on the table, which spilt, threw the sandwich, and that all went everywhere. I said, Is there something wrong, love? She said, Yeah, we ate you, idiots. Well, and I thought, well. oh my God, what have I done? But listen, we got off. I'm to blame for what they do now because I got them promoted back into the first division. So yeah. I'm, I'm to blame. I scored 20, how, 22 goals that year. How are the Chelsea fans with you now? Yeah, they're right. Yeah, no, okay. I don't go there, Chris. I, I yeah. don't think you can, when you're working at one club, you can go to yeah. another. I don't yeah. believe. As much as I would love to get, I get asked, I'll tell you, I've got to say, every year, the girl at, at Chelsea rings me, oh, Graham, is you, are you in the same address as you are? Like last year, I said, yeah. And I get a Fortnum and Mason amper every year from them. Okay. That, that, that's, you know, that is amazing. Every, every ex-player gets one. Yeah. So, well, I reckon you should send that. I reckon you should send that to Ron Atkinson as an apology. <laughs> well, no, I'm not apologising because I had a good career. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm joking. Um, Graham, I want to ask you about social media because you're very active on social media. Um, if you were still a footballer, do you think you would be on it? Um, yeah, I would, but I wouldn't be so. You know, it'd be very difficult because the way they are now, there's people that will hammer you and. Yeah. You just got to be very careful, like Harry's on there, and you know, and so yeah, you got to be very careful. But when, like me, I, I don't give a toss now. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> Did it take take me out? You, you see, that's me. Yeah, um, some quick ones for you. The hardest and the best player that you played against. Ooh, um, hardest player. I'd say Mick Harford. Okay. Uh, Billy Whitehurst, maybe. Um, best player. Kenny Dalgleish was good. Um, played with or against? Well, against. with or against. Well, Glenn Odom was the best player. By, by yeah. Aussie um, was brilliant. Um, when I went to Rangers, Graham Souness was brilliant. Brilliant player. Um you know, I played against Platini. He destroyed England one night. Yeah, so well, there's there's too many. You can't really, you know. You you haven't mentioned Mickey Hazard. He won't be happy with you. Mickey, Mick. I'm telling you now, Mickey Hazard was a great player. Uh, he was a great player, but he was homesick a lot, and he never really pushed himself to the limit. Yeah. You know, he always thought he was behind Glenn, where he should have been in the team with Glenn. And uh, that's what 
you know, he, he had to always tell me that he, he didn't push himself enough. What was your favourite away ground and the place that you hated going to? I never, I didn't, I've got to say, um, hated was Notts County because it was a bog. Every time you played there, it was a bog. Um, I love playing at Everton. Um, I love playing at Southampton, the Dow. I, I like Lauren McMenemy said I'd never make a footballer because I was I wasn't strong enough or, or tall enough, and I scored six goals against them. So yeah, so uh, I love I love playing at the Dow. Graham, I want to finish talking about Tottenham Hotspur um, next season because, of course, Antonio Conte guided Spurs to Champions League football, which this, is absolutely superb. Um, but six signings in so far. Yeah. Uh, what have you made of Tottenham's transfer business and what, what do you expect for next year? I think the business is good. I think we have to get rid of a few. But, um, you know, he's made a statement already with him, Don Belly, um, the left-back, uh, Reggie on um, who he left somebody else back as well, didn't he? Um, so Winks or Celso and Dombele? Who Winks? Yeah, Winks. So yeah. you know, I feel sorry for Harry Winks because Harry, when he got in the team, he he was passing the ball forward. All of a sudden, the last few years, he's been getting it. Give it to centre half. Get it back. Give it to the other centre half. You know, the game is about going forward not about going backwards. You know, people said to me, oh, Harry, Harry Winks had like 340 touches. I said, yeah, but they were all to the centre-offs. You know, you've got to, you've got to be more expansive. Um, so I feel sorry for him, but, you know, would we have won a trophy with Harry Winks in the team? Not really. I think the players we've got in midfield now, Basuma, um, I think uh, Bentecourt, I think he's <laughs> Brilliant player. Hoiberg, um, you know, he's fighting for his place, so he's getting better. Um, so, yeah, so there's 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 room there to, you know, I still think that we need a, a left wing back. I think, white, I think Jeff Spence is a brilliant player. I watched him three times last year. Yeah. Uh, he's a brilliant player. Trust me. He will be brilliant for us. You know, like Antonio came out and said that was a club sign and not his. Well, he didn't need to say that because you are our club. Yeah. You know, so, but he is a brilliant player, honestly. He will be up and down that line and he will cross it better than the other two we got. And he will score goals as well. So, uh, yeah, the left side, I think Ben Davis just signed a contract, didn't he? So maybe if he plays Lenglet, the left centre half, then maybe uh, play Ben out out wide. It's Ben Davies. I thought had a brilliant and yeah season. Yes, last year, four years. Absolutely, brilliant. yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, what do you think Spurs need from now until the end of the window, though, Graham, to really um, compete with the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City? Because some Spurs fans are, are already saying that we could possibly go for the title. Do you do you believe yeah, that? I agree. Yeah, I agree. But I think we need another striker. I think we need um, another midfield player so that we don't get everybody so tired all the time. Yeah. You know, like, we play one game, and next game you could have two new players, but they know the system. 
So, you know, it might be Basuma, it might be Bentaker in one and Oiberg in another. And then, like, we've got Skip, but Skip's always injured. You know, he's got his years to come. Uh, he'll learn from the players that we've got now. But I think, yeah, if we could get a decent midfield player, I'd, like me personally, I would go for James Madison or somebody like that. Tillemans, somebody like that. Um, because they've been there, they've done it in the Premier League. Uh, but a striker, I think we need another striker. Because you've got Harry, we can't play Harry. If you, have, if you look at it, when they go away for the World Cup, mm. they're going to be playing right up until probably the 20, 20th of December, if they get to the semi-final. Yeah. Then they've got to come back. All the other teams that their players don't get through, they're all back, having a rest and getting ready to, you know. So you need some players to... So we've got Richarlison. We've got him. I, I like him. I think he yeah, could so. be good. I think Kulicheski's good. I think Sun's good. And I think Harry's out of this world. So we need another one to make the six and then you can juggle what you want to do. Um, and if he gets that, I think, yeah, we'll be in the running. Graham, I think the viewers of this channel and the listeners must be sick of me talking about trophies. And every t single time I see you at the stadium, I talk about trophies, saying okay. when are the trophies coming? Do you think they're coming next season? Well, we won one on Saturday. So that's good. Um, that's always a good thing, winning, winning the first one. Like, we won the... We won the... In 1982, we won the uh, charity shield. So, and that gave us momentum. Um, yeah, look, quick. The bottom line of it is we have a brilliant manager. I think he's got the mentality into the players now. Um, I watched Saturday's game um, and I saw Eric Dyer trying to pass the ball. And if he does that against the good teams, yeah, and it gets cut out, we're going to be conceding goals. He's got to learn not to give the ball away. I think he's had a brilliant season, but he's got to learn not to give the ball away. And, you know, um, we got a, we got a, a set-piece coach now, but we still give bloody goals away from set-pieces. You know, come on, it's, it's not hard. Instead of looking at the player, look at the ball and attack the ball. You you can head the ball then. You know, I just don't I don't get where they're coming from, some of these, but it is. But no, I think we can. I think we can challenge on all fronts. You know, what you've got to realise is you've got the FA Cup, League Cup and the League, realistically. So there's three trophies and there's loads of teams that can win them. You've got to be lucky with a draw. You've got to be lucky with your you know, home draws or, or whatever in the Cups. The league yeah. is, is, is different. You know, you have to make sure that he gets the team up for every game. Like last year, we lost to Southampton. We lost to Brighton. That can't happen. Man City don't lose to Southampton. Don't lose to Brighton. That don't happen. If you're going to win the league... You can't lose to those teams. Graham, I know we're limited with the time, but I just want to ask you about Tongyon Dombele and Giovanni Lo Celso because, of course, Conte didn't take them on pre-season to South Korea. 
if there are no buyers for these two players, in particularly Undombele, uh, the record signing, do you see any way back for them or him in this Antonio Conte side? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think the league is too powerful for Endombele. I think it's too quick. Um, he's not quick enough for the for the game. You know, you go to France, you play Paris Saint-Germain, Marseille, Monaco, Lyon, Lille. That's it. The rest of them are not, you know, you can play 50%. In the Premier League, you can't play 50% in any game. You have to be yep. 100%. And yep. I just think he's not got that in his game. Um, I don't care how fit he gets. You know, if you look at his stature, he runs different. And it, I'm not having a dig at him. I'm just saying that he would be better in a foreign league. Um, mm. I just think the Premier League is too powerful for him. But it's a problem because we need to get rid of him. Yeah. So, uh, and Lo Celso, I think that the game was too quick for him as well. I think, you know, they, they're, they're happy when they go abroad and they play in the, you know, Villarreal, slow, slow, pick, ball, balls. There's certain players that, that, that suits them. You know, the, the hustle and bustle of the Premier League, they can't handle. They just can't mm. handle Graham, I can't believe I've been talking to you for an hour and 40. Honestly, I could talk to you all night about Tottenham. Um, Paddy actually asked earlier um, about your events with Mickey Hazard and Paul Miller. Are you still doing them for next season? Well, we'll have a chat about it. Yeah, I would think so. Um, we'll have a chat on uh, the weekend because there's a game next week. Uh, yeah, so we'll probably do something. It's good for the fans because they get to meet some legends and we'll try to change it about a bit. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. But, we'll but you'll still be, you'll still be working at the stadium next season. The club hasn't give us uh, anything at the moment, so they keep you waiting, Chris. They keep you waiting. Well, hopefully it's exciting times ahead, and hopefully we can put a trophy in the cabinet next season, so I can stop keep going on about the lack of trophies. <laughs> um, Graham, tell everyone where they can find you on social media, and I would love to have you back on very soon. Yeah, no problem, mate. Um, you can get me on Graham Roberts Four on Twitter and Facebook. I don't. I hardly ever go on that, but it's GrahamRobertsFour.com. So yeah, it's. I do a lot of work for my charity, uh, Centre Algarve Special Needs Children. So yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying my life at the moment. I've had two art operations over the summer, so I look. I feel a lot better. Good. Uh, they said first one. They said they couldn't find the heart. The second one, they found it. So, yeah. So, no, I feel a lot better. feel a lot healthier. So, yeah, good. Graham, actually, lastly, um, tell everyone um, about your signed memorabilia because you often put a lot of signed memorabilia uh, on, on Twitter for charity. Yeah. yeah, it goes, yeah, there's, like, we've got some at the moment. We've got Harry's shirt. Well, not, it's Matt. You don't get no match shirts. So, yeah, it's a signed Harry Kane shirt. There's Conte, Bentaker. You know, they can come on them bid. If, look, we never ask anybody to out overbid. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. That's that's what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, but, no, it's, if, go on to Graham Roberts 4 at, uh, I think it's 
Graham Roberts 4 at hotmail.com, is it? I don't know. Graham Roberts 4 on uh, at Graham Roberts 4 and uh, on Twitter. So, yeah. So. Well, Graham, thanks so much for coming on. You've been an absolutely brilliant guest and your fascinating stories, certainly about David Pleat and, um, <laughs> and Ron Atkinson. I, I, I enjoyed those ones and, and your time in India as well. Really enjoyed that. But I'd love to have you back on during the season. Not India. Pakistan. Oh, Pakistan. Sorry. Yes, of course. Yes. All yes. Pakistani now watching this, the fans will slaughter you. <laughs> yes, it's, it's you talking about the uh, being at Heathrow Airport and all those different places. That's what's confused me. So sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> Graham, thanks so much. And thanks for watching, everybody. And thanks for listening. And uh, I will see you uh, very soon on another show. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.